0: Good afternoon. like an intimate crowd here today. I like everybody's really close. I don't even need this thing. We'll just yell. Today, our study is coming out of the third chapter of Daniel. I'm going to give you a heads up here. It's a little bit of a long one. And usually when you get a long passage that you need to preach a message out of or teach a message out of, you kind of want to distill it down. You don't want to read the whole passage. You want to give main points to people but as I was reading it and reading it and reading it I thought who's going to say it any better so buckle in guys we are going to read the entire third chapter of Daniel uh, and I hope that you will be as blessed by it as I have been this last week King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon And worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, That you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him Dear Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for its ever-present guidance and the way that it teaches us to live and properly honor and respect you. And when necessary, Lord, we are thankful for its rebuke, that it would teach us to properly understand just our position relevant to you, Lord, relative to you, that we would be honoring and worshiping you and not ourselves. In the name of the Son we pray. Amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. That's my favorite saying when I was a kid. My mom would ask us what bedtime story we wanted to hear, and that would be my cry. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. It's a bit of a stretch to ask some little kid in Alabama to say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A little bit of a stretch. Abrahams we have, Daniels, even some Moses's, but Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednego's, not a one. I love this story, and I like to hear it as frequently as my mom would tell it, but that didn't mean I understood it. I understood that it meant, in bad times, God was going to be there. I understood that it meant... You've got to just trust that God's going to take care of your situations. But as a child, I couldn't really understand what kind of situation God was taking care of here. I couldn't understand the concept of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faithfulness and God's faithfulness. So tonight, we're going to look at this, and we're going to break it down, and we're going to try and get the idea of being faithful and we're going to try and get an understanding of God's faithfulness. So here at the beginning, what's going on? If you were here for VBS at all, you saw Cameron's wonderful acting, portraying the uh, character of Daniel or the person of Daniel, uh, and telling us a little bit about what was going on in Babylon, why they were there, what kind of situation they lived in. At this point, Nebuchadnezzar is building a statue that might remind you a little bit of the one in the dream that Daniel interpreted. And he puts this statue up in the middle of his territory, and he decrees what? That any time music is playing, everybody's got to stop right where they are, bow down, and worship it. And if anybody didn't, to the furnace with them. So some folks came to the king and they said King Neb sorry I'm going to say Neb a lot because it got tiresome writing Nebuchadnezzar in my notes. King Neb these Jews that you have put in charge they are not worshipping your image. So what is it the Jews were doing here? Right? They weren't bound down to it. We get that. They were being defiant. Uh, they weren't being good stewards of his land or whatever. But what is it they were doing? Now being good Jews they were pretty knowledgeable about the Torah, and uh, they remembered maybe some stuff that Moses had written uh, about the Ten Commandments. Anybody got an idea what those are? Something in there about no other gods before God and not setting up any graven images to represent them. So they knew and understood this and saw what Nebuchadnezzar had done and said, that's an image. I'm not going to worship it. I'm not going to bow down before it. I'm not going to treat it like a god because there's no other god. And even though their leader, the guy that had put them in charge, the guy that was giving them food, land, power, even this man telling them, you must worship this idol, they wouldn't do it. So what did they stand to lose? Let's, let's kind of jump a little bit back. We're going to ignore the part about getting tossed in a burning, fiery furnace, because that's the first thing that comes to mind. With something to lose on this, your life. Let's talk socially. What do they have to lose socially? If they looked around, they probably saw that most of their friends, their social circles, the folks at the VFW they hung out at, everybody they knew was bowing down to this image. Their families probably were bowing down to this image. Everyone looked to them and saw, these are these people that I hang out with all the time, these people I'm around every day people I respect, I like hanging out with, but they won't follow the law. They won't bow down to this idol. It's such a simple thing. Just bow down to it. You don't have to really believe it's a God. Just bow down to it. How about politically? So they were in a political office. Don't mistake what's going on here about being put in charge of the affairs of the province. They're like governors, basically. Nebuchadnezzar put them in charge uh, of making sure that all of the people you know, received... Uh, the food that they were allotted, and also that the taxes that they were supposed to be giving back to the government got back. So, what did they stand to lose politically? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar himself had made them in charge, and it was his law. So, I can't imagine he was too happy with them disobeying his law that he had set up. I mean, I selected you guys, I picked you out to be in charge. Just bow down before the idol. But probably the one that sticks out the most, at least to these three men, was how mortally they had something to lose. At stake were their lives. It wasn't, if you don't bow down before the idol, you're going to be fired. Or if you don't bow down before the idol, you're going to be fined or put in jail. You're going to lose your life. And even though they understood that their actions that they were taking were going to cost them their lives, they were faithful to what God required of them. So this obviously draws up some similarities to things that we're seeing in the news right now. Um, and so how do we reconcile this idea of them standing opposed to their government with Later instruction that we receive that the governments are set up by God and that you're to follow them and obey them and submit to them. How do we reconcile that? Well, let's make this a little simpler. simpler. Pretend you're a child. Grant, not too hard. Pretend you're a child. You must obey your father and mother, right? Then the Ten Commandments? What if your mom tells you to lie? What do you do? Obeying your mother and father goes so far as until it uh, contradicts scripture. And when it contradicts scripture, that's when it stops. Because nothing in scripture contradicts itself. So it's misapplication of that power that you must obey your mother and father, that you must obey the government. A misapplication of that will cause you to act in a way that is not in accordance with scripture. But let's say we understand what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thinking. We understand that God was okay with what they were doing; that He thought they were doing the right thing. But what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understand about God? They understand His faithfulness. So King Nebuchadnezzar brings them in. He says, "Guys, listen." He says, "Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's really personal, like guys." What's going on? I understand that you're not bowing down before my idol. You're not worshiping it. You don't worship the gods I worship. What's going on? I'll give you a chance. So now here in front of everybody, if you'll just bow down and worship it and worship my gods, it's cool. You go back your way. Go back and be in charge. But if you don't, I'm going to have to throw you into the fiery furnace. And when I do, what God can save you from my hand. What do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to this? What could they possibly say to this king who has the power of life and death over them? They say, O king, we do not need to answer you in this question. Because if it be so, our God, whom we serve, can deliver us from your hand. But if it not be so, Understand, we will not worship your gods, and we will not worship your idol. They were able to stand faithfully on what God decreed because they understood God was faithful. It is interesting to note, though, the two cases they present here for faithfulness, for God's faithfulness. They say, on the one hand, if if it's God's will, he can save me, save us from your hand. He can deliver us. That sounds pretty good. That sounds like some teaching maybe you've heard on TV at late night or something like that. God's going to save you from the bad situation you're in. But they also understand the other side. If it's not the Lord's will, if it is not his will that he deliver us from your hand, it doesn't matter. We're still not going to worship your gods. We're still not going to worship your idols. How often have you heard somebody, maybe in jest, a prayer like this, like, Oh, Lord if you will please just let Kentucky beat Florida this weekend, I will read my Bible every day. I will go to church even on Tuesday afternoons for the me- business meeting. That's pretty funny. That's not a real situation. Let's, let's, <laughs> Kentucky's not going to win. <laughs> um, but that's just a funny example of what I'm talking about. But there are real life examples. Have you ever heard of a situation where somebody who claimed faith experience heartache, trouble, misfortune, sorrow. And then, like that, they're no longer in the church. They're no longer praying. They're no longer reading their word of the Lord. Because how could there be a God if he's going to let something like that happen to me? How could there be a God who doesn't save me when I'm speaking up for him and I'm just trying to do the right thing? That person's faith sounds like it's dependent on how God is faithful. But our faithfulness is not dependent upon how God is faithful. We know he is faithful. His faithfulness is not a blank check that we just hold on to and we say, Oh man, here's a bad situation. I got a check from the Lord. He's going to take care of that one. It's not like that. Because that check has already been used to pay off a debt that you were going to be called to pay for. It has purchased you from eternal damnation because of sins you committed and a sentence you earned. But we know God's faithfulness is about delivering us ultimately from eternity in hell and that we would get to spend eternity joyfully with him and in his presence. So the prayer of somebody who wants Kentucky to beat Florida sounds an awful lot like if God, if you'll do me this solid, I'll be faithful. But the prayer of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, Lord, I am faithful. I will be faithful because you are faithful. If you deliver me from evil now, and let me continue to live, or if you deliver me from evil through death, you are faithful. How different does that sound? One day, you might be asked to violate your conscience, to act in a manner that is not in accordance with the word of the Lord. What will you do What will you do if it's socially inconvenient to do what God wants you to do? Politically inconvenient. Mortally inconvenient. Make no mistake. The time is coming when you will be asked a question like this. Maybe the time's already come. And when they come for you and they start the furnaces... And they heat them up a seven times hotter. What will you do? God is faithful. Will you be faithful to him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this time that you have allowed us together and learn from your word. We are thankful for its guidance. And we are thankful for the way that you work in our lives so that we might better understand you better love you, better know you. Because we know that you are faithful, period. That you are faithful for eternity. And we are thankful for that blessing and thankful for the gift of salvation, Lord. And we praise you for these blessings. And we thank you in the name of the Son. Amen.